<laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. <clears throat> Let's go. <laughs> I'm not cutting it this time. Right. What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk the Podcast. This is Money, your friendly queer auntie. Yeah, I'm auntie status. You are. That's very accurate. And um, this week, uh, well, first I should say who I am, I guess. So this is Nikita. <laughs> this is Nikita, and this week... Honestly, I'm your friendly local trash bitch. I've been having a rough week. <laughs> so that's so maybe maybe you'll be recycled by the <laughs> end of the episode. One hope. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type of darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, taint you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sister, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. You love. I just had a rough week this week, so that's okay. We fall down. Oh, please, no. <laughs> we no, don't support him, right? No, no. All right. <laughs> we, we gave him up in the queer draft. Oh, right. <laughs> Adios, Donnie. All right, let's go. All right. So um, before we get started, we want y'all to know where y'all can find us. Um, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at Queer Walk Pod. That's P-O-D. And hashtag queer, W-O-C. Yes, thank you for remembering the hashtag. And our Tumblr is actually queerwalk.com. Uh, that's where we started, so you know that's where that's where the, the main hub is. You can find everything else through there. So if you just go to queerwalk.com, uh, it'll take you to the Tumblr page, and you'll find us everywhere else. We also have a Gmail that you can send topics, which we desperately need because... <laughs> desperately? <laughs> It's been rough. Um, questions, concerns, your suggestions for Queer Walk of the Week. If you know some Queer Walk baddie out there doing greatness, uh, submit them at queerwalkpod at gmail.com. And if you send us um, a question, uh, we would love to answer it. But just uh, when you send it, please just let us know if it's okay um, for us to share or if we should take out any details um, that would refer back to you. So basically, let us know if you want us um, to keep you anonymous or if it's okay to share your uh, personal information, like your username or what have you, on the program. Where can they listen to the podcast, Money? You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, or the Purple app, which is now called... You said it updated, so I ne- I never know what's going on on iTunes. It's just the Purple app. I think it's just Apple Podcasts. Okay. Over there. Like, where wherever y'all Apple users listen to stuff. Over there? Wow, you tried it. That was cute. Anywho. Um, hopefully, we'll be on some other platforms soon because, you know... Nikita has greatly um, improved, I guess, what the expansion of this podcast. Yeah, we're growing. Yeah, so... We blow one up like you thought we would. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you, you have to stop busting out with the old school hip hop, okay? 
gonna alienate our core fan base. <laughs> wow. And if they don't know, okay. oh my god, <laughs> we're done. We're done. Uh, this week's queer walk of the week. Um, so actually, in this segment, I'm just gonna like preface it by saying gender isn't really real, um, because the queer walk of the week is Mickey Blanco. And so when I first became familiar with Mickey Blanco, I was introduced to their music and um, the fact that they use she/her pronouns. I honestly um, think that they were misgendered in a, a article by Out Magazine um, that used he, him, his pronouns. I think that Mickey identifies currently as like non-binary in some way, like non-binary trans. And so I'm going to use they pronouns um, and, you know, gender is made up. So <laughs> the reason why Nikki is queer, Mickey is Queer Walk of the Week this week is because um, they recently partnered with ID, which I think is, like, a part of Vice, um, to bring us this amazing, like, documentary, short documentary um, called Out of This World, uh, Johannesburg's Born Free Queer Creatives. It profiles, I think, about six, a few, like, a handful of queer baddies from Johannesburg, South Africa, who are really doing the damn thing. Uh, It's a visually delicious documentary <laughs> like my god we well we beautiful we know we right. know we beautiful but the the clothing the hair oh my god i just want to change my hair right now and get waist length yellow braids like this documentary is everything and you can find it on youtube it's free you don't have to pay nothing just type in mickey blanco um out of this world and it'll come up and I really loved it because it showed how creative queers are. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, there's this, uh, there's a quote right at <laughs> yes. the end that I love. Um, and it's like, um, queer people are life. We give you life. Right. Like, <laughs> um, and so they, they uh, follow, like, uh, fashion designers, mm-hmm. um, artists. All types of creatives, yeah, yeah. Activists, which I really love activism being talked about as, like, um, creative, yeah, a, a creative sure. process. Um, that was beautiful to me. Uh, yeah. And, and it has me really wanting to go to Johannesburg. Like I need, I need to get another job so I can save up and book a ticket to go. Um, yeah. So check that out. I'll put the link in the description. Um, and y'all give, you know, kudos to Mickey for definitely bringing us this because it's really hard to find any kind of like I don't like joy giving. Yeah. Oh my um, god. <laughs> things yes. around queer folks of color. That is so real. Especially, um, I think the the narrative we get from the continent of Africa in the United States because because of the way that um, colonialism mm-hmm. and all that stuff works is that you cannot be queer right. on the continent. Exactly. And so for this to come and be like this beautiful celebration documentary about people who are building space so that that's another thing like we always get these resistance narratives of queerness like how somebody has overcome but we never get the side of like we are actively creating spaces where we can be queer and brown in our fullness and don't have to like leave parts of ourselves out and so this was just beautiful i watched it twice because the first time i just cried all the way through (laughs) Uh, because it was so beautiful but um the second time i got to you know appreciate it and gag so yeah, y'all check it out. Yeah, so shout out to Mickey. That sounds great. 
All right, so um, this week's community contributors. So before we go into the actual contributors, uh, I just wanted to tell y'all how y'all can contribute and help us sustain the podcast. So we can go to Johannesburg. <laughs> that would be nice. Oh, what if somebody donated two tickets to Johannesburg? We're not opposed to that. <laughs> you know some like old white queers listening with all of this guilt White guilt. Yeah, well, put that, <laughs> dip that white guilt into into the uh, PayPal. Yeah. Which is? So you can find us on PayPal at paypal.me slash queerwoc, or you can become a patron because Nikita got the Patreon popping, and that is patreon.com slash queerwalkpod. Yes, and so uh, we are really excited uh, to mention our community uh, contributors. So on our last episode, uh, we're so sorry, but we forgot to shout out uh, Gretchen. So thanks so much, Gretchen, uh, for giving us a a generous donation on PayPal. And I'm really excited because now we get to announce our first four patrons. Oh, my God. I can't believe this happened so quickly, too, like. I thought we was going to be out here like, please, please visit the Patreon. Y'all. I got a 50. Like, I really thought it was going to be a struggle to get people. Um, but yeah, thank No, y'all. but we're doing top-notch amazing work. So, of course, people want to support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, the supporters that we have or the patrons that we have are um, Aria Macab. Thank you so much, Aria. Dahlia. Um, Amira. I don't know if it's Amira or Amira. And Miss. Oh, my God. What if it's Amira Shanice? I don't think that's... Oh, <laughs> never mind. Probably not. <laughs> not not this go-round, but we still love this uh, Amira slash Amira too. <laughs> so um, thank you all so much. Um, um, the reason why the Patreon is really uh, helpful is that it's because it's a sustainer. So people are contributing on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And um, like we uh, said, and like you can see on the Patreon, that really goes to making sure that we can sustain... Uh, the um, SoundCloud. And then also it gives us, um, if we have an ongoing like pot of money, then we can um, get some, again, union-made merchandise. That is important. Don't you laugh okay. at expo- yeah. exploitation, relatively exploitation-free merchandise, Montanique. Okay. Boss. <laughs> Stop it. I'm just saying. Anyway, moving right along. So, um, yes, thank you so much to our contributors. Um, Did you say Missy? I did. Did you give me a chance to say Missy before you started long, longingly uh, hoping that it was Amira? Who? Amira? Shawnee. Shawnee. Who's that? I'm so out of the loop. She's the creator slash writer slash producer slash director. I wish you all could see the look that money is giving me. <laughs> slash baddie um, behind New York Girls TV, my favorite web series. Oh, well, that's your fault. You should have put me on. I did. I did a whole segment on lesbian web series when we highlighted Lena Waithe again. Oh, right. This it's all coming on back. The to, it's all coming back. Bi-phobia episode of Queer Walk. You can go check that out and rate us on iTunes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Please do rate us. We are acting like fools this episode. We need to pull it together. We really do. It's <laughs> going to fall off. <laughs> it's been it's been a rough week. It has. And now Let's move on to well, don't don't you shake your head okay that way go ahead introduce the segment we're gonna move on to the mental moment with money I said mental moment 
moment. What if? With. That's how Luther would do it. Money. So if anyone is still listening. <laughs> that's exactly how he would do it. All Luther I'm fans. not even going to thank you for that intro into this segment. That was. I told you to stop. Like, I, like, get... I like nailed it. I think that was the best. Listeners, I, I'm pretty sure I nailed that. Do Luther you want to? I'm going to put up a Twitter poll of which. <laughs> which <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do two actually. The first is going to be, should Nikita stop, sing- <laughs> stop singing on the podcast? The second poll is going to be, which intro to the mental moment with money did you most enjoy? Or maybe should, did you most hate? Which was the worst? The 1970s rap intro, the Luther Vandross intro, or the R&B Belle Biv DeVoe intro? I think they're all winners and it will be a tough choice. Are you going to do a country intro next episode? Ooh, I hadn't even thought about that. Oh my God. A Shania, oh my God. Oh, you know what? Never mind. I'll just pre-record the mental moment with money. Oh, before wow. you get here. So. <laughs> wow. All right. But this is, all jokes aside, this really is my favorite segment on the I'm show. Glad. I'm glad. That makes me feel really Which good. Which is why I put so much time and energy into thinking about how I'm going to create an, a, a sonically explosive theme song. Okay. All right. Thank you. Mental moment with money. Yes. Um. So this week's mental moment. So I wanted to, I guess, sort of stay on this wave of how to deal with um, seasonal affective disorder, but I guess more broadly, because people are like, well, what if I feel like shit all year? <laughs> Which is real. Oh, God. Like, Too real. I'm not even... Yeah. Um, and so I think anybody who knows me knows that I'm really into um, present-focused uh, interventions because mm. they... If you're not present, there's really not much work we can do uh, because... You ain't here. Like, uh, you're dissociated. Your prefrontal cortex is offline. I'm being a nerd right now. Um, So I wanted to do one of my grounding activities, and I call it the anxiety countdown. And um, so before before I just go into it, um, I wanted to, I don't know. So I think that uh, sort of like I talked about on previous mental moments is that we use a lot of words and we don't really, um, like, fully understand what they're referencing. Uh, when it comes to mental health. So when I'm talking about anxiety, I'm talking about a persistent, consistent, and insistent feeling of worry, dread, that overwhelms you to the point that it starts to interfere with your life. Do we get that? Because, I mean, like, I feel anxious before we hit record on the podcast, but that's a normal level of anxiety. It's it's my body's normal stress regulating hormone stuff. But if I felt like that the way I do before we hit record all, all day, time. that's anxiety. That's a problem. Like you shouldn't you basically what that means is that your body has confused the fight, flight or freeze responses and it it thinks that you're about to do something exciting all the time or that you're in danger all the time. Yeah, I I guess I just wanted to clear that up about anxiety because people will be like, oh, you know, I'm just anxious. I'm having anxiety or I have anxiety and um, it's really something else. Like, I don't know. So what else could it be? Um, So like panic, (laughs) for example. So 
Um, and just can you describe the difference between panic and anxiety? Sure. Um, so panic is short and immediate. And when whatever is causing that feeling moves away, then you stop feeling it. Okay. So it's, uh, you can, you can often, uh, point to the things that cause you panic, like being in, uh, small spaces. Mm. Um, so I, like if you're in an elevator and you start to feel like, Oh my God, like that's panic. Uh, it's that immediate short, you can point to what caused it. Anxiety again is persistent, consistent, and insistent. It's like it won't go away. These these thoughts are um, like jumping out like the hormone monster in Big Mouth. Like when, when you're trying to get work done, um, sometimes you can't go to sleep before. Um, I mean, you can't. You have trouble going to sleep before bed, and all these things. Like anxiety is constant. It's like all the time. And when you have an anxiety attack. There's, there's no, like, immediate thing that we can take away for you to sort of stop feeling mm, that. Okay. Where a panic attack is caused by something. Right. So. That's really helpful. Thanks. I try. You know, because if you're more clear about it, also looking for help for things will be more impactful to you. So, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that because, you know, if you're dealing with panic and panic disorders, like, there are people who specialize in that. And sometimes they also dabble in anxiety, but it's been my experience that, People who deal with panic don't really have a lot of patience, which makes sense because panic <laughs> panic is like immediate and short term. Um, whereas someone who's really trained to work with anxiety and um, usually depression as well, they are more into the process of what's going on in your life. And so that should also, I don't know, give you some clues for if you're looking for help for these things as well. Anyway, so what my actual mental moment was going to be was an anxiety countdown. So this is something you can do when you're feeling anxious and it's getting to a point where you're dissociating. What I mean by that is that... (laughs) You knew I I was going to ask. Yeah, because I just... and, And I also want people to understand this stuff, you know, like... Right now I'm having a very hard time finishing up this dissertation proposal and stuff. And I think... What makes it so hard is that I am performing for academia. And the whole reason why I started doing this stuff is to help my people, like to help folks like me. And so I want to demystify all this shit, you know, because they may, they talk about it in a way as if it's inaccessible to us. Yeah, and that sure. should not be the case. So, um, and then, you know, like I always say, like we've been doing this shit too. It's not new to us. We just use different words to talk about it. So dissociating is basically like, bitch, you not here. <laughs> like, like you, wow. you sitting here and I see you, but uh, it reminds me of when my mom used to say, are you listening or did you just hear me? Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's a, a, a clue of dissociation. So dissociation means that you are so wrapped up in your thoughts or anxiety or whatever it is that your brain is no longer thinking. And that's literal. I'm telling y'all like, your prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of your brain that controls thought, reasoning, all that shit, it stops working when you are dissociating. And this happens when um, you're feeling panicked, when you're feeling anxious to a point of no return. Like, that's that's when you sort of check out and you're not really there. Um, you're just, like, sort of a shell of who you are. And, oh, should I talk about... I feel like this is taking a lot of time to get to my activity, but I think it's important, this is important. to explain. Um, so I talked about this also in my uh, Woman of Color Healing Night, but why the prefrontal cortex oh, goes yeah. offline. 
So there's three main parts of our brain that are involved in anxiety. And the the part that causes it really is the angry amygdala. That's what I call it because that's how I remember. Um, So the amygdala is the part of our brain that basically is like, that bitch said what? <laughs> and and it, she say she going to do what or who? Let's find out and see. That's the amygdala. It's always ready. It's like, Pop off, like it's always taking his earrings off. Um, and the hype hippocampus is the messenger that sends those um, responses to the prefrontal cortex. So I think about the hype hippocampus as like the person that screams "World Star" when a fight is about to happen. <laughs> like it gets the message to the rest of the brain. But when we are stressed or panicked or anxious, the hippocampus doesn't work. And so the angry amygdala, um, oh, and the hippocampus also works the other way. So it sends the messages to the prefrontal cortex that the amygdala is angry. And it also sends messages from the prefrontal cortex to our amygdala to be like, chill out. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not that big of a deal. But when we're stressed and we have a whole bunch of stress hormones in our body, the hippocampus can't send those messages. And so the, the amygdala is just popping off all the time. And I pay my mama bills. I ain't got no time to chill. For real. Like, it doesn't chill. And so our body is always in this um, heightened state of fight, flight, or freeze. And when that happens, we ain't thinking. Because the prefrontal cortex is never sent the message to be like, oh, wait, chill out. There's nothing happening. Um, So, yeah. So that's, that's how the brain works in panic and stress and anxiety. So, my... Finally, <laughs> after I explain all, of, all that. All of that context is really important, though. I hope so. Um, I hope it helps somebody because um, I I feel like I've never really dealt with anxiety to a point where, where it hindered me from doing things mm. until I started my PhD program. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like I've been learning a lot more about how to deal with it because of that. Right. And so I hope this helps someone who thinks like, I don't know, my heart just won't stop racing and I don't know what's wrong with me. That may, It might be an anxiety problem and there's nothing non-normative about that. Actually, the world is so fucked up, I would be surprised if you yes, didn't have anxiety exactly. at this point. Uh, so my anxiety ca- countdown exercise, and I'm going to put this in a uh, description box because I know I talked for a long time about how your brain works when you're anxious. Um, so... So when the prefrontal cortex is offline, like I was talking about before, your brain doesn't think. And what we can do to sort of get it back online to remind us that we're not in danger, there's nothing um, threatening our safety, is to do sensory things. I call it grounding. Um, And so this countdown engages all five of our senses. So the first step, five things you see and actually like list them. Out name, loud? Yes, na- out loud. Say five things I see. I, I mean, I could do it right now, but like, yes. Out loud, name five things you see. Four things you feel. So touch four different things. And my suggestion is to make sure that there are different textures mm-hmm. because that, um, that like sensation of switching also like brings us back to the moment and awareness makes our mind have to rationalize and, uh, Differentiate between the different senses, right? The different feelings. Three things you hear. Bring your senses back um, to your hearing. Two things you smell. I hope they're good. 
Uh, and one thing you can taste. Mm. Yum. You're gross. <laughs> <laughs> when I was telling you about this, you were like, oh, why don't we make it five things you can taste? That's gross. <laughs> Stop. That's what it sounds. <laughs> you look you just you look so disturbed because I just always think like what if somebody just is listening to this out loud at work or something and somebody walks past their desk and all they hear is that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay I'm done <laughs> you look so disappointed so I know it took us a minute to get here but my mental moment is the anxiety countdown. Five things you can see, four things you can feel, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and, and one, one thing, thing you, you can, can taste. taste. <laughs> I just wanted to be helpful. What, only you can make tasting something <laughs> dirty. I don't think so. This is supposed to be an exercise so that you could come back to the moment and you made it about sex. I, it was no. That's not what I was doing. Oh, so why are you saying taste? Bye, Nikita. <laughs> Exits are at the front All right. and the rear. <laughs> Don't you try to kick me out of here. <laughs> I'll leave my own personal accord. Are you, is you finished or is you done? <laughs> Go on to your little word. Why it's got to be little. Okay. All right, so moving on to our next segment. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Socialism. Socialism. All right, so. Can I ask, because I was actually thinking about this, um, what is socialism, Nikita, our resident communist? Well, kids, strap on your hammer and sickle. It's socialism time. <laughs> All right, so, I mean, I'm just going to do a very kind of basic um, overview, uh, socialism is on the rise. Well, it's um, the fact that people are, particularly young people, are really interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was just some poll that said like less than half of millennials said that they prefer socialism um, to capitalism. And we had um, just in the previous election, you know, there's Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. who identified as socialist. So, I mean, the same way we talk about different kinds of feminisms, plural, I think it would also probably be fair to say that there are different kinds of socialisms, and it means uh, broadly different things to different uh, people. So this is not like an in-depth sort of like Marxist, like (laughs) expository or exposition. Not yet, anyway. Not not yet, kids. <laughs> so I just want to hit what I think are just some... Uh, I've written down, like, four basic points that I think um, are really good to define socialism. And I we should have talked about this last month. I, okay, I'm going to sound like a total nerd. But so this year is obviously 2017. So this... Uh, we are 100 years out from uh, the Russian Revolution, and so a lot of, I'm sure that some of you are thinking, what the fuck does the Russian, <laughs> the 1917 <laughs> Russian revolution have to do with queer women of color or people of color um, in general? And so just um, broadly, uh, there was actually a lot of uh, black folks, uh, particularly, not even mm-hmm, just black folks, mm-hmm. but people th- all throughout the world mm-hmm. who were really inspired by the Russian revolution because as we say um, uh, in our movements and in our chants, it was a, it was a moment where people uh, were actually um, 
they were fighting for and it felt like a different society other than capitalism was on the horizon. Right. And so there was folks there's a great book. Um there's some obviously there's a lot of books, but there's a book uh by Eric McDuffie. Um uh, it's oh god, what's the title of it? But it's it's I think it's like Black Women Sojourning for Freedom and it specifically talks about the way that black women um were inspired by um uh, socialists, communists, and uh, Russian um, revolutionaries. But you have folks like Harry Haywood, um, who you know put out the Black Belt thesis. He was um, a socialist, and then you have uh, artists and cultural workers like Paul Robeson, who was like totally like blacklisted and um, just like totally rung, uh, just ran through the raked over the coals for being um, you know being involved in uh, socialism and being inspired by um, the Russian Revolution. And so there, I think that that's also a really important thing to uh, get at. A lot of times, you know, I just mentioned Bernie Sanders. There's this misconception that socialism is just for, yeah, just Mm -hmm. for white folks, but really, uh, truly all throughout um, the world. So early in the, um, in the earlier, early 20th century, and then you get down to like the 1960s, um, like the Black Panthers that, you know, they self, Mm -hmm. they said that they were a Marxist, Leninist, uh, Maoist organization. And then you even have, um, if you go back through the um, Combahee River Collective statement, they said that they were black, lesbian, socialists, and and there's a part in there where they say that they are in essential agreement with uh, Marxist theory, but they just want to expand it to talk about the conditions of black women. And then you have things like the Third World Women's Alliance, and again, another group of black radical and revolutionary um, women of color. So I think first and foremost, yeah. it's always important to say that it's a it's a tradition that's you know inspired a lot of people, but particularly um, mm-hmm. people and women of color, um, and even uh, other women of color like Grace Lee Boggs, exactly, who's like amazing uh, socialist, and um, uh, blanking on her name, G- Gloria Anzaldúa, yeah. like all of these women, yeah, and Angela Davis was a longtime communist uh, party. Um, members. So it's just, again, important to say that the, uh, the socialist and, um, yeah, the socialist tradition has been very, um, it's a, a vibrant part of the black radical, um, tradition. That book is called Sojourning for Freedom, Black Women, American Communism, and the Making of Black Left Feminism. Yes, thank you. And, I would be totally remiss if I didn't mention uh, Kara Boyce Davies' uh, biography of Claudia Jones. Oh, so yes. She's a, I mean, yeah. Again, I read a, that this summer. Another amazing, um, not, uh, I think there's like this kind of rebirth of people being interested mm-hmm. in um, Claudia Jones, but that's another great book that you can uh, check out. And Claudia Jones wrote this pamphlet called, I think it's like the triple, uh, it's like the triple exploitation. Oh, shit. I probably should have been prepared. I forgot. But it's, it's, okay. it's and she just talks about what it means to be uh, black, to be woman, and to be like a worker. So mm-hmm. the, uh, it's like triple jeopardy. Okay, so getting on to these uh, four principles. So we've talked about this. Um, the first point um, pretty frequently on the show, actually, uh, we mentioned it last week when we were talking about worker-owned co-ops. So one of the like Im- first important parts about um, socialism is that uh, workers should be able to own the means of production. Again, we've I think we've talked about that pretty frequently. Um, capitalism um, is able to expand and it grows and it gets, um, like a, a defining feature of capitalism is that workers 
work and then through their labor they produce the profit but the problem is they don't get to reap we don't get to reap it Mm -hmm. really the benefits Mm -hmm. of our labor it actually goes to like a ruling um elite right Mm -hmm. so um in a in a socialist um society or you know in a different kind of society, uh, those who actually produced would be able to uh, experience the abundance of society. Um, so the the second point, and um, I've alluded, uh, where we've talked about this also, is the point um, about um, the expansion of democracy. So usually in, um, in our society, capitalism um, likes to kind of create this bifurcation between political democracy so like you know voting Voting. and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but we rarely do we ever get to talk about um economic democracy Mm -hmm. again like like i always say you don't get to call the shots in your workplace you don't have a say over how the profits um how the profits are shared within the workplace usually that's like stakeholders or share excuse me yeah you don't get to like shareholders vote on if that person deserves a raise because you know they ain't been shit or never mind no (laughs) triggered (laughs) you feel microaggressed (laughs) or um uh what was i about to say um or like the working conditions like like Mm -hmm. if there's like a new piece of technology that's going to be introduced in the workplace you don't get to say you don't get to have a say over okay well um Obviously, it's in the boss's interest so mm-hmm. that you would, you know, you're basically almost literally worked to death. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you don't get to have a say over how this technology is going to yeah. be introduced. I don't know if any other counselors or therapists out there experience this, but when your clinic want to switch from Epic to Titanium and none of them have to even do case notes or keep electronic medical records and they don't tell you, you just got to learn on the job how to use this damn new. Anyway, you, I'm tricked. You are big mad. I- <laughs> how, they go, how they switch the therapists are the only ones who use this program so how come the I guess basically the owners of the clinic of the hospital can walk in and be like oh we're using this new exactly. software because it's cheaper that, like, but, <laughs> that is actually a real that's like a very real concrete example mm-hmm. that and, you, and something that's also really important is that workers know best, right? We're the ones mm-hmm. who are, like, do, doing the day-to-day on the ground um, stuff. So it's it's a real travesty that we're, we aren't the ones that get to call the shots about, like, again, how technology is used or any kind of changes mm-hmm. usually um, in the workplace. So thank, thank you for that real-ass world example. You know. Um, I be trying to connect, <laughs> connect it. <laughs> Trying to show y'all this stuff is every day. Right? It's every yeah. day. I, you you really do have a knack for that. So another point about democracy is that um, uh, just to bring up um, a, a relatively like on the same thread about um, democracy is the point about like organization. So socialists believe that you just like. The, the way that I've always heard it described is that it doesn't particularly like make sense to be like a freelance socialist. It's really important to be in an organization because the only way that we're going to get to like a different kind of society is if the is if we're organized, mm-hmm. um, right? So being in and that organization that whatever organization that you should uh, that you're a part of should be democratic, and and even when you go back to the point about um, talking about politics. I mean, think about how the party, like how the mainstream like parties work. They, it's very top down, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't get to have a say in like the platform discussions, mm-hmm. uh, like within like the Democratic or like the Republican mm-hmm. Party. I mean, honestly, we're not really interested in the Republican Party. I mean, or the Democratic Party. I'll get to that in a minute. But I don't like 
So, I mean, I think the last, um, like the most recent election is like a really um, good point. There's all this shit that's just come out from like, uh, what's her name, Donna Brazil, um, about how like the 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 DNC was rigged and it was, it has like a very top down process. Mm -hmm. It's it's not like a grassroots, like we get together, we say, this is what the platform should be. That happens with like the the democratic leadership council, which like you're pretty much like wealthy. And like, Mm -hmm. again, it's not a grassroots grassroots way to, to be able to actually participate in the life of the party. And, um, the other point about democracy that is important is that, um, on this thread about democracy and socialism is that it's really important to distinguish between socialism from below and then socialism like from above. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's people like to say that there are certain countries that exist today that are socialist. And if there's no democracy and if workers don't own the, you know, the means of production, or don't have a real say in how the state operates, then there's, there's, it's actually not like a socialist mm-hmm. country. There's all kinds of debates on the left about which countries are socialist. It's my personal opinion and from the socialist traditions that I've learned from that there's not a socialist country that currently exists mm-hmm. um, like on the face of the planet. Um, like there's no such thing as socialism in one country. It's a, it's almost impossible to have, uh, what? how do we say, like um, an island of socialism in a sea of capitalism, mm-hmm. right? If, so, if capitalism is in an international system, then, you know, in order to have, like, a truly liberated society, we want, in a liberated world, we want to make sure that socialism is, like, all across, um, is all across the planet. Yeah. So it's really difficult for, for a social, for the, again, for there to be one socialist country existing in a sea of capitalism. Because our forms of government and our forms of, like, um, like, I don't know, commerce, what do we call it? Like, the way we shop and buy. Yeah. Like, those are, those are global. They, right, inter- exactly. they interconnect. Yeah. Oh, and this is also um, an important point. So Bernie Sanders, like, so he says that he's a democratic socialist and it's, it's really important um, to distinguish between uh, democratic socialism and revolutionary socialism. Come on. So democratic socialism also like another way that we tend to talk about it historically is social democracy. Mm -hmm. And that, and that idea is we can gradually, like reform, like the worst parts of capitalism. And it's only through reforms that we'll get rid of capitalism. Whereas revolutionary socialism say that capitalism is, is like we should, you know, be fighting for reforms because that provides relief. Or as the old folks used to say in the movement is, you know, it gives people a break from like catching hell. But we know that it's actually going to have to be like a revolution in a total overthrow of the the social relations of capitalism Mm -hmm. as it currently exists. So we're not opposed to reforms, but we just don't think that we're going to reform our way out, out of. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So basically, um, I personally um, think that um, even though it was good that, you know, Bernie Sanders was in, you know, the, uh, you know, running and like shifting, you know, pushing the um, discussion in a lot of progressive ways. At the end of the day, he's a social Democrat, which mm-hmm. is which, again, is not the same as um, a revolutionary socialist. And it's trying to keep, like... And so his idea is basically, like, old-school liberalism. So it's like, we have mm-hmm. progressive taxes. I mean, that's important, um, right? Like, have strengthened um, unions. Um, 
and you know he's you know supports some like social like equality um stuff probably wasn't you know there's all kinds of debates on whether he was as anti-racist and stuff as he should have been but again there's still this fundamental um belief in like well if we could just have welfare state capitalism where there's social services and like social goods but again mm-hmm. there's not um it's not a complete and utter uh, a complete and utter overthrow of society um as it currently um exists so the next point um about um socialism that i want to raise is like going back to what i was saying earlier is that it's an internationalist um perspective and it's an internationalist uh, in its scope so there was also this debate around bernie sanders when he was talking um he was like giving into this narrative that um, immigrants like steal jobs but if you're like again if you're a socialist, then you're you should be for like the freedom of movement and like yes. open borders. Mm-hmm. And um, another key point to point out with like the internationalist uh, perspective is that we are we are in solid solidarity with other exploited and oppressed people Workers everywhere. Everywhere, right? And this is going back to the point that I was saying earlier about how they say that there's currently existing um, socialist countries, but mm-hmm. they're as the same way that we don't confuse like exploited and oppressed people with, you know, our, I mean, not our anything, but like 45, you know, Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, we also don't make the um, mistake of confusing like exploited and uh, oppressed people in other countries with their, um, with the heads of state there. So, I mean, again, there's all sorts of debates about this, but like there's some people um, when um, the Syrian revolution was happening, when the um, when the uprising was happening, there are some people like to say uh, that uh, Bashar al-Assad um, was some kind of like um, like anti-imperialist and like revolutionary. But there's another tradition of socialists, and there's all these debates again with this socialists that were saying actually we need to be in solidarity with like the working uh, again with the working class, the exploited and the oppressed people of Syria. So we don't make so it's important that we make distinctions between like the people and you know the heads mm-hmm. of, uh, of states. Again, there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of people who uh, who try to say that you know that these heads of states. Um, are like anti-imperialist or mm-hmm. socialist, but you know we're. It means that if you're internationalist, you're in solidarity with the people who um, this rem- rem- are oppressed. Go ahead. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off or like butt in, but this reminds me of something that's happening right now with the um, the stripper strike. Oh. And so you were talking about that a little bit earlier, and I feel like this is an example because um, so Sam from Inaho Uprising said this like so pointedly and I I clapped out loud like yes bitch when she said it on her podcast that um because I think she had a guest that really said like well this this isn't a uh, issue to me mm-hmm. and she said well this is a workers rights issue and yeah. a work a worker concern in any area is a threat to workers rights in yeah, every area. That's so true. Right. And um and so that's why I was thinking like uh it's not that oh we stand in solidarity with strip clubs, but we stand in solidarity with strippers, exactly. like the uh, the oppressed worker, right? So, because <laughs> that's I mean that's there's a difference between like the workers, like the strippers yeah. who are saying you know there's colorism, yeah. and like racism happening versus like the boss of, yeah. of the strip club, right? right. We, we make that distinction. Yeah. Um, and so the last point uh, that I wanted to make uh, around socialism is that it's really important. Um, to be independent of, like, the two or, like, any, like, capitalist, like, ruling parties. So 
Um, the you know it's so funny. We love to talk about American exceptionalism, and American America or the U.S. rather is exceptional in a lot of like really awful, horrific ways. Like we're one of the only industrialized nations in the West that doesn't have a history of of a um of a labor party, mm-hmm. right? Of, of some kind of party that's independent. Of um, here, obviously, it would be like the Democrats and um, the Republicans. Now, there's all kinds of shifts that have happened in these labor parties all across um, the Western world. Some of them have um, unfortunately uh, capitulated um, and succumbed to um, neoliberal uh, capitalism. And we could do that. We could break that down on another episode. But basically, they've given in um, to big money interests and uh and that sort of thing. So it's impossible to, there's, I, I think it was uh, Stokely Carmichael that said, um, so when he was talking about the um, the Democratic Party, he has this quote where he says that anytime that there's, um, the rich are in the same party of the people of the poor, he's like, the rich are always cannibalizing mm-hmm. on the poor. And he's like, we, there's no real liberation mm-hmm. um, that can come from, um, you know, being a part of the Democratic Party, you know, which is, I mean, and that's really interesting, especially coming, or that was interesting coming from him where he was like really, um, he played a, like a really key role with Fannie Lou Hamer and, um, and the, in the fight for um, the franchise man getting the vote, and they were doing it through like the Mississippi Freedom Democratic uh, Party, and so he said that he's like, I never believed in the Democratic Party. He's like, but that's where like the momentum and the animus was, mm-hmm. like amongst my people. He's like, and I always want to be where my people is, people are. And he's like, but the, and yeah. he's like, and he's like, I, and going back to the principle of democracy, mm-hmm. he's like, there was there was a conversation within. Um, you know, within the civil rights movement and within particular groups where they said that they, they made a democratic vote that they were within the organization, I think it was SNCC, where they were going to go through the Democratic Party. He's, mm-hmm. like, I, he's like, I didn't agree with that, but because we moved right. in a democratic basis, and mm-hmm. that's what we decided, and that's mm-hmm. what we voted on. He's like, I'm, I believe in the principle of democracy. I'm going, I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. even though like I fundamentally like, disagree with it. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, I mm-hmm. think that through that, um, that fight, they only... They only got like two or three. The Democratic yeah. Party only wanted to offer like two or three seats yep. uh, to Black folks um, in the Mississippi, uh, you know, Freedom Democratic Party. Again, there's so much more to be said, um, but I just I just think that those are good um, four points to uh, talk about. So again, owning the means of production, having democracy um, in the workplace, but also in the broader society and in uh, like political organizations. Uh, it's internationalist, third um, in its outlook, and then fourth, uh, independence from uh, ruling um, elite parties. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have elevated to another level of <laughs> political knowledge through that. Dun, 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 dun. Like, I was, I, it was so funny that you said maybe the word should be socialism because I, when we were, so we, um, went to volunteer to help our homie Razi, who we talked about on the last episode, who's running for fourth district common council in Syracuse, um, who is running Green Party. And I was really, I've, I, I guess I've always uh, felt like I can't ask what socialism means in like certain spaces because it's like assumed, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm, who's a socialist <laughs> that I can ask about this? Uh, and and I think. I'm glad that I got introduced to socialism through black queer women mm-hmm. because I think it completely changed like, my outlook on it as opposed to being introduced to socialism 
as like this white man. Right, 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 yeah. right. Party. So and just there's all again, there's always these um debates around um, you know, class over race, class versus race, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But the reason why I always feel like it's um important to go back to those traditions, specifically uh like the Combahee River Collective, is that Again, they were. A, it was a black lesbian socialist. Yeah. Why do you always say lesbian like that? Lesbian. I don't know. Because I'm nasty. <laughs> but um, and so they were always talking about the like the intersections between exactly. like capitalist exploitation, mm-hmm. racism, homophobia, yes, um, and other forms of oppression. And that's mm-hmm. what like um Claudia Jones uh, was doing, and that's what the women mm-hmm. like the Third World Women's Alliance and the women. In the Eric McDuffie book, uh, we're Dalit about. Uh, feminist movement, oh, like sure. across the world, like women of color have been doing this. Like it's not, um, it's not class or race, class and race. It's that these inform each other right. like, at all times, and so. Yeah, so before, you know, Kimberly Crenshaw, I don't know why I just flipped my hair just now, but before Kimberly Crenshaw and intersectionality, it was the Combahee River Collective and simultaneity. Like, all these things are happening at the same time. Um, And I actually think that that's a good entry point for people into thinking about, like, more radical things. So if if the Democratic Party is just like, we're not as racist as the Republican Party, like, what does that... What, what does that mean for you? your actual, like, lived condition as a black queer woman? Right. As a Latinx person, like, you know, as, as like, an Asian bisexual person? Right. If they're only looking at this white-black binary of racism and we're not going to be as terrible to black people, but we're going to mass deport. Um, and mass like, incarcerate. Yes, yeah, like, what the fuck? Um, and just that point um, that you were saying that, like, when Democrats say that they're, you know, we're, oh, look, we're not as racist. I just listened to uh, this podcast, and um, I think, I can't remember what the woman's name is. It's like Ash, it's Ashley something. And she's the, the, she's a young black woman, like, under 30 or, like, right at 30. Ashley Yates? No, oh, it's not oh. her. She's the executive director of the Highlander Center. It used to be called the oh, Highlander yeah, yeah, Folk. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The folk school where they do popular education. And so she was one of the people that uh, was, like, deeply involved in putting together the platform for the Movement for Black Lives. Come on, and one of, And one of the things that she said that I thought was so beautiful about how they went, how they approached uh, building and working on the platform is that they wanted to create a list of demands of the things that black people deserved and not the things that they were willing to concede to. Right. And so the thing that I, like something that I think is really important about socialism is that, um, like there's like this old adage that it's like it's easier to imagine the end of the world than it is to imagine the end of capitalism. And the reason why I feel like again it's important to say, you know, to talk about socialism is that we're always we always know what we're against. But it's like what is it that we're what what world, is it that we yes. you know that we're for? What is the what are what possibilities right. are on the horizon? And I think the thing with um the Democrats um, especially, I mean, think what we've seen is that they really like cannibalize um, our imaginations, and mm-hmm. they like drastically mm-hmm. diminish diminish what we think it's is possible. possible. Yeah. And so we limit our demands, and we put together, and you know, they put together like the most lackluster, uninspiring right. bullshit. Right. And so I just thought that that was so beautiful. She was mm-hmm. like, "This is not," and it's not even like. 
I mean, it is aspirational, but she is so right to say that this is this is what you know we this is what we deserve, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It's, and people, because you know, people always say, "Oh, well, that shit is just pie in the yep, sky." Yep. It's like, no, we live, we deserve right. to live dignified lives, lives free of exploitation, mm-hmm. free of um, oppression. And yeah, I think we're. I was about to say we're a little it's, off topic, but it's right on because it it, it sounds. This is so funny because it feels like it's connecting like all the things that have happened sort of in like the past two weeks. Well, first of all, it made me think of. Queer Walk of the Week, Mickey Blanco, and that uh, documentary, and that like world building, world imagining. Yeah. So it's not just about resisting oppression, but it's also about what what reality can. So I think we give like maybe eighty percent of our energy to resisting, yeah. and twenty percent to like really creating and imagining the spaces that we deserve right. as queer people of color. Um, and so it made me think about that. Uh, T with Queen and Jay, they had a, a listener letter. Um, and somebody asked them, had they ever heard of the Highlander School? And when I heard it, I screamed, you know, because I thought, <laughs> I thought about Margot and yeah. I still owe her $20. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was just like, yes. And so, like, all these ways that socialism is, is connecting radical black women. Yeah. Even, whether we know it or not. Exactly. Um, and then it made me think about a tweet that I saw where, um, you know, um, the fuck ass Trump or however you want to call him. Um, he tweeted something on Halloween about taking half of his uh, grand... Is that his granddaughter? I don't even know. Oh, right. Whatever relation this child was to him. He he tweeted something about taking half her candy to teach her about socialism. I don't know if you saw that tweet. I did see that bullshit. But yeah, it had typos in it, um, as all his tweets do. Uh, <laughs> because apparently his Apple uh, device is the only one without <laughs> spell check or autocorrect. Um, but liberals quote-unquote liberals were fixing the grammar in this tweet right and so i saw a tweet that was like um you know republicans tweet this horrible anti-socialist thing democrats correct the grammar so exactly it's not that they're actually changing the message or what's happening like they're just oh it's supposed to be t-o-o not t-o oh and that that reminds me of this other thing that i saw where it was like republicans say it's like um we want men is like we want only the rich to rule that everybody else can die and they're like liberals Nine of those 18 people that are ruling should be women. (laughs) (laughs) And not saying anything about the rest of the people that have died. I hope that you are officially converted (laughs) and ready to overthrow bourgeois, racist, sexist, transphobic, ableist, garbage capitalism. So let's, again, strap on our hammer and sickles and... (laughs) Lead the good fight. You know, I just deleted this uh, meme off of my Instagram. Maybe I should have kept it up. But it was like, oh, um, you're liberal? What are you, a Democrat? And then it's a picture of Gucci Man with a communist shirt. <laughs> I've seen that. Comrade Gucci. <laughs> I lifted my spirits. You know, I was having a bad week. I know. I'm really glad. I, I saw sort of a twinkle come back to your eye when you started talking about Marxism. Oh, well. I am who I am. (laughs) Okay, so we want to move on to the topic? Let's get into it. Okay, I want to be, like, fully transparent with y'all. So, we recognize that the world ain't shit. Like, totally fucked. I mean, I don't know what other way. thousand percent fucked. Um, I just, uh, my heart goes out to... To anyone who has experienced any kind of, like, sexual assault, yes. rape, 
um, intimate partner violence because everything must Ev- be triggering yeah. right now. Everything, truly. Um, I mean, literally, you can't click the news tab without something like that coming up. Um, I <laughs> I was listening to the Strange Fruit podcast, and in all of these conversations around sexual assault, the way queerness is being used yeah. or not used or yeah. talked about, not talked about. Um, I forget old dude's name, but it felt like he like used coming. Oh, Kevin Spacey. This, yeah, this horrible moment to come out in this way to like cover up that yeah. he's been sexually assaulting people. Kids. This was a 14 year old. Serially. Yeah. Um, you know, and then it's not like we already don't have to deal with that. You know, I had this conversation with Seth all the time about is it really that we don't like working with kids and youth or that we're afraid that somebody is going to accuse us of doing something to some kid. Um, and so, yeah, like just like the way that queerness and gender and sexual assault have been rampant since our last episode, you know. And then I'm just thinking, like, this episode is probably going to drop on the uh, one-year anniversary of the election. Oh, um, shit, yeah. And so, like, just being really aware of, like, damn, this might be a really hard day for everybody. Yeah. Um, so that's why, you know, me and Nikita wanted to sidestep the bullshit and help y'all sidestep the bullshit, too. Because we just wanted to talk about music. Yes. And this is going to be fun because Nikita don't know shit about music. Why do you do me <laughs> like this? I mean, unless it's Luther Vandross, you don't know shit about music, Nikita. We all have our crosses <laughs> to bear. Okay. I remember I was somewhere and they played that song. Did you, did you, did you? Oh, you were at Afropunk. <laughs> yeah. And I was so devastated <laughs> because you told me at intermission they played nothing but, but Luther. Luther. They did. I mean, that just sounds like between, a dream. Between every set at the stage that I was at, they just played a Luther song. And like you came to my job and you were just humming a little bit, like three seconds of it. And I was like, Luther, bad boy, having a party. <laughs> Go back the rug, everybody. Ow. If you ever need a partner on trivia, has there ever been a a Jeopardy uh, category of Luther Vandross? They would just have to shut up and go home. I would smoke the competition. (laughs) I'll take Luther for 500. Oh, my God. If that was like a final Jeopardy question, I would lose it. And you know, this is a queer walk show. You know, we all know Luther just, he, you know, he, you know, he exuded queerness. I'll just leave it at that. He had a feminine aura. Yeah. He, he reminds oh, me yes. of like an auntie. Yeah. He's, he's auntie. He's auntie. Yeah. Lord rest his soul. Mm. <laughs> um, so the reason why this was on my mind is because I, I only spend my money on food and concerts. That's like it. You're so cool. <laughs> I really very ain't. You really are. No, no. I can't go to a Luther concert. I don't well, do... clearly. Wow. But, but um... do, you, do you have any respect for the dead? None? If you told me you was at a Luther concert, I would be highly concerned. Whatever. I, I attend concerts of the living. I just don't do hip <laughs> things. Like, that sounds like a great thing. I invited you. We had an extra ticket. You could have came to see Gold Link. I do love Gold Link, but like I said, I was a trash bitch and I was real cranky this week. Yeah, so you missed out on a free opportunity. Okay, wow. To see Gold. All right, you're trying to get to a point. Because I feel like in two years, he's going to be, like, really big, and there's no way you're going to be able to sit front row for free. Oh, well. Any other dreams of mine? (laughs) You want to mercilessly stop on right now? 
<laughs> okay, so um, why music came to my mind is because I, like I said, I'm an avid concert goer. So I think there's just like a lot of ways you can experience music. Um, listen to music in headphones is very different than listening to music out loud. It's very different than listening to the music live. And so I love doing all of the above. Um, and so I went to this concert and I realized that the DJs don't play women. They just don't play women. They will play a song featuring a woman and cut it before she comes on. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, and so, so for example, this one stuck out to me because y'all know how I feel about Cardi. I'm contemplating getting a tattoo of Cardi's face. Um, so, I'm, you know, I go, I go hard and go up for Cardi. And they played that song. I don't even know what the song is called. But oh, something about the... Fuck with me and get some money. What's that? It's awful. What is it? Like... It ain't safe for the black... It's gonna be a problem for... Yeah. What the fuck? First of all, I did not know this dude was white. Yeah. Because I don't consume music like that. I don't watch it on YouTube. Right. So I don't see the visuals of artists a lot of times. The first time I see them is usually like on Instagram or some shit. And be like, oh, shit. Um, so when I saw... <laughs> it was funny because I didn't watch the video... With the sound on. So I'm just like, who is this white guy that Cardi B keep performing with? Then I realized that was the rapper on this song. And it just really creeps me out that this white man is on the radio like, it ain't safe for the black or the white girl. And it's like, we it know. Ain't safe, it ain't safe. <laughs> we know. <laughs> it ain't safe. It ain't safe. I'm like, oh my God. If this white nigga say, <laughs> say it ain't safe one more time. Ooh. We know. But um, so yeah, so the DJ played this song. And cut it right before it got to Cardi's part. And we all know that Cardi's verse is the best verse the on best, the whole yeah. song. And then there's a new song, Migos, Nicki Minaj, and Cardi B. Oh, wow. Motorsport. Right? But again, Nicki and Cardi, best verses on the song. Best verses on the song. I'm the trap Selena. Diamond gasolina. Like, <laughs> the shit. Cut it before it got to Cardi or Nicki. Damn. Just played the Migos part. And so, I, so you know, being the ratchet-ass feminist I am, I'm like, play women artists! And I'm in the front row, so he can clearly hear me. But then, and I guess this is, the, this is why I said I was an auntie, because I was old in that space. It was a college um, concert. Everybody there was probably class of 2022. Oh, <laughs> 2021. Aye, aye, aye. Um, but I, I do like having that influence on younger budding feminists. And so they were like, you're right. Like he hasn't played, you know, if he put on, um, so for, and I will add that there weren't a lot of people there and there were a lot of women in the front mm. or fems. Um, I don't know how people identify. And they were like, yo, if he put on scissor right now, like oh we would God. just all be jamming. And then, um, somebody like a guy behind us was like, Man, if he get the girls lit, like, the rest of us will turn up. So he was like, he need to play that Cardi, which is the number one song on billboards. Why are you not playing it? And so this guy behind me was saying, like, if he played that Cardi, I know, like, this girl gonna dance, basically. So he like, I wish he would just play it. I wish he would play it. Mm -hmm. And so then he drops the beat for um, Bodak Yellow, and he cuts it. When when Cardi is about to come on, God, and damn. so everybody is rapping the words, and that's the thing. Like, um, Young and May, ooh, and Cardi B's Bodak Yellow are the two songs. Like in this past, I would say in the past year, 
that people are going to rap word for word. Yeah. And you're not playing them. Like, why? Because they're women. Right. And so, I'm, you know, I'm taking... <laughs> I'm doing all of this in the front row at a Gold Link concert, y'all. <laughs> like, I'm just like... On a college need, campus. And I need to I need to um, put an asterisk that I'm not talking about Gold Link's DJ. Because Gold Link's DJ is bomb as fuck. He plays women. He, <laughs> like, like, he's great. Um, and he consistently shouts out dark girls, which I appreciate. Ooh. He'd be like, shout out to the dark skinned girls. I'm like, ah. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about trash ass local DJs. <laughs> Shit, shots fired. God damn. I would... <laughs> damn, son. <laughs> but for real, like, it, it makes me like want to go into DJing or something. And that's another thing. So um, BT Hip Hop Awards, they did like a all women cipher. Uh, which they could have had a lot more women in that cipher, but we won't go there. I think they usually try to put new artists, whatever. But they had some DJ that I don't know DJing, and I'm like, there are so, who's a guy? There were so many women who DJ that could have been in that space, like so many. So I know you always laugh at Sweet Heat. I don't have anything to say. About Lesbian it. retreat. That's what you say every time I okay. say Sweet Heat. Okay, thanks for putting me on blast. <laughs> But they they consistently have women, queer women, who DJ. DJ DJ XL is everywhere up and down the East Coast. Why did you not have her DJ in the women's cypher? Like, they act as if there is a particular way that women can be in music and hip, especially in hip-hop. Yeah. But we already know that's not the case. Like, women do everything. So don't act like you couldn't find a woman to DJ the cypher. And it, it ain't even like the cypher... It's complicated. Like, all he is doing is playing a beat on a loop. I know bitches live next door to me that can do that. (laughs) (laughs) After editing this podcast, I feel like I could do that shit. Wow. (laughs) Like, it's not that complicated to find a woman who could do that. Um, I feel like in Atlanta, you could probably throw a rock and hit a a woman who DJ. (laughs) 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 So, yeah. So then, you know, I started having these conversations with these 18, 19-year-olds about... What does it mean for women to be, like, left out of these, like, music spaces in mm-hmm. this way? And I'm like, uh, again, like, you were talking about, like, it limits, um, like, what we see as possible. It doesn't celebrate our accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Like, you can have a number one song in the country, but we still won't play it right. because you're a woman. You know? It's like all these things. And <laughs> it just had me fucked up. Um, so I decided, as I do, to make a list like oh. a true Virgo. Wow. <laughs> of all when of When did the... you even have time to do this? <laughs> I just scribbled one down real oh quick. Oh my God. Um, of all of the women that this DJ could play, who are like current, popping, relevant. I tried to, so I'm a, I'm, first I'm going to say women who are queer. Okay. Because I'm like, yeah, you know, this is queer walk. Uh, but there are definitely a lot of women who aren't like at least openly queer, um, who are who could also be added to this list um, because, you know, like people like Rihanna and Beyonce, these are like big name artists that everybody knows the words to the song. Why are you not putting them on in an intermission? Right. Like whatever. Um, so anyway, so here are a few of my queer women recommendations for music. Yeah, let's do it. Let's queer get rock. into it. Yeah. So um, shameless plug right here. I have to shout out uh, Truth and uh, Mother Nature. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clever. Who did the the intro? The intro Truth right. did the intro for Queer Walk. So I always like to shout out their music. 
they about to drop something this week. So check out their SoundCloud. It's Mother Nature, spelled Mother Nature. Because, you know, black folk be liking to get excited with the spelling. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's Mother Nature. Um, Baby Mother. So I'm not <gasps> sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> when the plug text back, tell them pull up with that extra shit. No, what's um, the one that you put on that city for me? You, you can't, can't get your pussy to, to a, a nigga who's not used to getting pussy because that pussy gonna be everybody business. <laughs> you can't give head to, to these, these niggas, break bread, bread with, with these niggas. niggas. They yeah. ungrateful, little mamba. That's bad for business. business. <laughs> yes. I almost crashed <laughs> when that shit came on on that mixtape. <laughs> and it's so cute that Montanique still makes me CDs. I do. Otherwise, I would not stay relevant yeah so. I, that that's my like gentle nudge to try to keep you in in the millennium yeah <laughs> that's fair i appreciate that yeah and I, I think i'm the only person i know who still burns cds anyway but my car is a 06 and blank cds are actually cheap it's way cheaper than buying a new uh stereo for my car it's Ooh. just so i can have an aux cord so i burn cds um yeah so check out baby mother I love her. I honestly don't know if she's queer and sexual orientation, but she's very queer in um, her politic and the way that she, like, performs. I don't know if I can say that. Like, she fucks with patriarchy and gender, gender norms. Right, yeah. right, right. So, Didn't she like one of your tweets? She liked and retweeted, and she responded to one of my tweets once. Aww. Yeah, so I follow her on everything. Okay. She's also there. All right. We know how you. Okay. <laughs> we know how your obsessions get out of control. I love you. So okay, much. please. Oh my God, they're gonna rip this shit right off the air. Go ahead. I think Sid has already blocked me. She she probably doesn't even like when when I mention her, it probably just gets filtered immediately. I hope it's probably where does she, where is she based? It probably goes right to the police department wherever she lives. <laughs> Now, let's go on through your little list now. <laughs> okay. So, check out Baby Mother. Um, SZA is who I was shocked that didn't get played. Mm. That's Now, that's a real tragedy. I was like, like, Control blew up, sold out immediately. You not play. I mean, my man is my man is your man is her man too. That's everybody's, like, song. Yeah. Everybody comes in on that part. A lot of folks might not be um, familiar with this next artist, but I love her. Her name is Aziza Cree, and she has this song called, um, I think it's called Boyfriend. But I put this on your CD, too. It goes, I want that, yep, that right there. She wobble it, wobble it, and her poom poom shorts for me. I don't remember that. I don't remember oh. something about poom poom shorts. <laughs> Should I play a little bit of it? <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> Wow. 
I think we're done here. <laughs> this has been a great episode. I need to go home right now. <laughs> Whoa. So I'll put the, I'll put the link in the description. Please so put I- the video. The visuals <laughs> are crucial. <laughs> But Aziza Cree, I'm pretty sure she's out in New Orleans. Um, mm. Love her. TT, uh, mm. the artist, who's getting a lot of notoriety, as she should. I saw her perform maybe like four years ago. She's been on this. Um, she makes amazing dance music. I don't understand why I go to any club that doesn't play her music, but I know you know TT, the artist. Got, Got a nine-inch dick that'll fuck your mind up. Bad-ass bitch about to tear this club up. <laughs> See, I've been very busy. Oh my yes. Phone like that. Yeah, so that's TT the artist. Um, Princess Nokia, who's also finally getting some notoriety. Mm-hmm. She performed at Afropunk this year too. Um I'm gonna skip the next one because you didn't like her. So Who did I like? When I played it, you was like, What is that? Oh, that's the, that's just my opinion. You can't uh deprive the listeners. Okay. I wanted to highlight Haley Kiyoko um, because she's, I feel like a lot of times, if you're into bubblegum pop, there's not a lot of queer women of color represented. Um, oh, touche. Yeah. Touché. So uh, if you're looking for a bubblegum pop artist, uh, Haley Kiyoko is, I believe she's Korean. If I'm wrong on that, somebody please correct me. Uh, but she's a Korean lesbian who makes bubblegum pop. So if you're really into like that, I hate that I'm even giving her any shine, but like that Katy Perry, like pop sound. Mm-hmm. Listen to Haley Kyoko. I am DDB, who's also fine. <laughs> I mean, aren't they all? But I am DDB. I discovered through. Um, so I was on this like London British mm. brown girl bender. <laughs> on wow. you on YouTube so one night. Specific. It, it it is. Um what did uh Mickey Blanco say? Uh, we're part of the queer digital diaspora. Oh right. So you know I was in that that wormhole and I discovered IMDDB. I really she's a rapper, but she harmonized she's like a a a bisexual woman version of Drake. Huh. There we go. I can get with that. Yeah. Uh and sassy black cat Ooh. And Sassy, you know Sassy Black? I don't know. I just like the name of Sassy. <laughs> Woo. You know them. So they used to be a group called The Satisfaction. Oh, yeah. Yes. But now they make music separately. Um, and Sassy Black is who I follow most closely because. Tell us why. <laughs> that what? <laughs> I, I didn't hear you. That ass? <laughs> Okay, in my defense, Nikita, you wanted this um, okay. se- segment wow. to be about the benefits of big butts. I, so- that, I don't understand how things I say to you in confidence, <laughs> off air, come bubbling out. <laughs> you said, let's have an eight-hour episode. <laughs> I, I didn't say, let's carve out eight hours to talk about big asses i just said if that happened to be the topic it would probably end up being a marathon episode that's a totally different contextualization okay are you done with your little raggedy ass list no i'm not i have a few more that you all need to get into queer walks who are fucking it up on the music end 
Um, so yeah, sassy black cat and that ass. And Stasia, <laughs> Stasia, who's who also used to be a part of the satisfaction, who is a a woman who DJs, who Yaka hire, if y'all need a woman who DJs. Um, Tiffany Goucher. I think a lot of people also know um Tiffany's music by way of uh I don't even know that other child name. Cause like <laughs> I said, I'm here for the I'm here for the lesbians, so <laughs> Uh, I'm just she... rooting for all the black lesbians. <laughs> I'm just rooting all for black... everybody gay. <laughs> all still... the black queers or queers of color, right? Exactly. I'm like, and I, I told y'all before on this podcast, I use gay as an umbrella term. It is the term I grew up with as a black girl growing up on Sufton Boulevard. So I'm just here for everybody gay. Um, So Tiffany Goucher, I think is people got introduced to her music through, I think his name is Iman Omari, Iman Omar, that something like familiar. that. Whatever. I just saw her and was like, ooh. <laughs> and, <laughs> you can see we're real, we're real deep here. <laughs> I mean, that's why, you know, I celebrate and appreciate uh, gender nonconforming and masculine presenting queer women because I can just look across the room and be like, ooh. And, you know. Is that why you brought me on the show to exploit my <laughs> queer masculineness? <laughs> well, it's working, ain't it? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. All right. That's the next segment. But anyway, Tiffany Goucher makes uh, baby making music, mm-hmm. basically. So uh, check her out if you need to set a mood. If you're trying to um, Spotify and chill instead of Netflix and chill, mm-hmm. Tiffany Goucher got you. Um, B. Steadwell, who is a throwback to my uh, baby dyke days on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> she was one of the first... Uh, other queer women of color that I was exposed to. So, like, I don't know. I feel like that's very monumental. It was like her and Studology 101. Uh, and Flip on Deck. I wonder what ever happened to Flip on Deck because they started making music too, but I don't know where that ever went. But B. Steadwell is touring, has a vibrant music career. Vibrant. Yes. Um, and she also does, like, poetry, beat making. Multifaceted. Just dope. So, yeah. So if y'all would like to add to this list, send like leave a, uh, suggestions in the comments, tweet us other like queer women of color who are in music that we need to add to this list. I think we should get like a, uh, I was about to say master list, but I'm decolonizing my language. A proletarian list. <laughs> a proletarian we list. did just talk about socialism. We need to get a democratic list going of uh, <laughs> queer walks who are fucking it up in media. And that will also give us some suggestions for uh, uh, Queer Walks of the Week. Oh, yeah, because yeah. It's, it was we were about to nominate Riri the Cat <laughs> for Queer I'm, Walks I mean, of the Week. Is, um, oh, wait, I have one more. Juliana Huxtable, mm. who's also a DJ. She's dope as fuck. Check her out on um, SoundCloud. But, yeah, that's my last one. So, yeah, please send your... Music request? No, not request. I must say, it's not. I must say that's a different kind of uh, digital platform. <laughs> Send us your requests to the hotline one eight eight queer walk. Wow, <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> Back to Nikita with the the quiet storm. <laughs> ew. <laughs> Why is that ill? Because I feel like quiet storm. That's when they used to play all the great. That's that really explains why, like. My music choice, The Quiet Storm, that's when they play like all the old school R&B, mm. 
You're so unimpressed. Well, no, what I was just saying is like my uh my list is very heavily informed by the type of music that I listen to. So I'm sure there are other queer walks who make quiet storm music, but I just don't listen to that. So Well, I I'll have to do my due diligence and find out like, who they are. The minute I hear I'm out. Like I'm <laughs> You don't Oh my god, how can we even be friends? You don't I'm love done. a breathy whisper? <laughs> Oh my god! Like that explains, that describes like eighty-seven point four six percent of my musical taste. <laughs> a breathy whisper. I, I, that's why I love disco. No, like Donna Summer. Mm-mm. I love to love you, baby. No, it's yes, it's so. It's just so like the disco I like has beat. And it's, there's no breathy whispers. What are you talking about? Like, uh, oh, what's her name? I forget her name, and I can't think of it right now. So, but it's it's like a, a like I could do a little booty pop if I can't like at least hit one clap, like one cheek clap to your song. It's a it's a done. It's a wrap. Wow. Yeah. Well, I even guess- slow songs. Like I think about Sid's music. Okay. No, this is aside from me being infatuated with that woman like even her slow songs have like uh, I, yeah like, yeah I, ooh, mm, yeah mm, mm, oh wow mm, what is that popping mm, sound it's a it's a one cheek clap oh wow okay i like how we now have sound effects on the program <laughs> okay take it mm, okay i'm bored all right we get it we know one cheek we know we know okay thanks we're done no we're not Ooh. All right, so <laughs> our last and final, well, our final, last but not least segment of the podcast, Curved Chronicles, which we semi-skipped last episode, but I think it's because it rolled into hey, the yeah. topic. We Let's were efficient. Go. Yeah. Um, and whatever. Like, our episodes are more than an hour. We're bi-weekly. That's fine. So this week on Curved Chronicles, uh, instead of talking about, like, a dating tragedy, because Nikita's burnt out of talking about like dating. Again, that was a private conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I gotta have you sign a waiver. Like anything you a say, a non-disclosure. <laughs> anything you say can and will be used on Queer Walk the podcast. God damn! <laughs> Ain't no democracy in this workplace. <laughs> Do not say it. I'm not. It just rhymes with. Shmesh Marsh. <laughs> yes, boss. <laughs> I'm editing you out. Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna just crop you out of Alexandra's art. Cold blooded. <laughs> God damn. Anyway. Um yeah, so oh actually I don't even know if we did this last episode, but shout out to O Snap is Alexandra's art for designing our new logo. Yeah. Yeah. It looks so good. I really like it. Yeah. I'm so. so cute. We got um, stickers coming soon, but you know. With both of our beautiful, shining black faces. We'll see about that. Oh. <laughs> Guess I better not get above myself. <laughs> you keep saying yes, boss. <laughs> <laughs> because it's clear who's in charge here. No, it is not. This is a, a team effort. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with that. No, it really is a team effort. It is. Montenegro doesn't hurt me as much as she used to. <laughs> I'm kidding. What? When I mess up. I'm kidding. 
I'm just a I'm just a type person. No, it's fine. It works. And I do have trust issues. Who doesn't? Um, <laughs> that, but... <laughs> that'll be a next another mental moment. <laughs> I should, because you know, even Exchange has been talking about trust lately, and I've been feeling like they've been pointing at me <laughs> <laughs> through the mic. Like... What they say in the '90s, all in the Kool Aid got your flavor. Yeah, <laughs> or hit dogs holla. <laughs> I'm like, oh! <laughs> is you talking to me? Um. So this Curve Chronicles, we actually wanted to talk about uh, the no friend zone. That's what I called it. It's probably whack because I think friend zone has a, a certain connotation, yeah. which is full of like patriarchal Fucked up beliefs about having access yeah, yeah, to women's bodies or whatever, whatever. But um, the no friend zone is when you get older, it's really hard to make friends. And so hard. As like queer walks, I so I was telling Nikita about um, there's this person that's on Westcott a lot, and we like there's a general consensus among our friend group that this person is fine. Um, <laughs> I told you, like me and Jaffe was like, "Ooh, look at that beautiful person." Oh, I'm trying to decipher who it is. I don't remember. And a few of our other friends have also been like, hmm. but anyway. Uh, they don't make eye contact with us. So there's never been a moment where we can be like, hi, uh-huh. we noticed that you're visibly queer and cute. Like, okay. <laughs> not that you would say that, but whatever. Like sure. how, how do you engage somebody in conversation post really high school? Like, how do you make yeah. friends? How do you make friends as a, as a whole ass adult? Like, yeah. um, especially as like queer people. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. You, ha- I feel like you have the advantage though because you're like far more, you're like easily the most extroverted and like outgoing person that I know. I, I mean, I everyone knows that I'm already like a socially awkward, bumbling mess. Even, even like via digital platforms. Oh, I, you know, I just don't know how to really work the internet, <laughs> so I'm not good at really even <laughs> responding or keeping up or. That kind of thing. But, like, in person, I feel like it's really difficult. Like, I get overwhelmed. Or I feel like I'm, like, so, like, socially awkward where I get, like, really self-conscious. And then I'm like, okay, well, I have to hurry up and end this conversation because I've been, like, a total weirdo. But I think your weirdo, like, plays well with others. It really doesn't. It does. It's Even when I first met... Well, when I first met you... I didn't think that you liked me very much. I hear this all the time. I'm a very curt, dry person. Yes, but it never came off to me as, like, awkward. Oh, it always feels, like, intensely awkward for me. So I'm just like, oh, hi, great. I gotta go. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I want to be your friend. (laughs) Like a total fucking creep. Well, it didn't seem like that to me. It did seem like you were very short, so I was like, oh, maybe she don't like me. No. But then I got to know you, and you're just like, like you said, a delicate flower, so. Okay, you you about to take my G card away, talking about I'm a fucking delicate flower. <laughs> oh, the same, the same person with the machete tattooed on their arm. <laughs> I was worried about their G card getting yeah. removed. Okay. I want to know who this baddie is on the street. Have I ever seen them when we're together? Um, I don't know. I don't want to, like, describe them on here. Of course not. That would just be our luck that they happen to listen to this yeah. episode. Yeah. Uh, 
all the way through and get to this part. Like, <laughs> I'm the baddie. That, that this, they would be flattered. This, this whole friend group has been lusting over. Um, they would be flattered. Not really. We have we have a. So I don't know if this is actually a real thing, but people I've heard people say that it's a squish and not a crush. So a crush is when you're like sexually aroused and like wanting wanting mm-hmm. a sexual relationship with somebody else. But a squish is just like, oh my god, I want to know you. I feel like I have that with friends. Mm-hmm. Like there's like somebody who you're really excited to meet and want to have mm-hmm. like a friendship with. Right. Yeah. That's a squish. Okay. So so we're all squishing this person. Okay. Oh, because we want to get to know them. Squish, squish, squish. See you making it dirty. <laughs> it's a dirty word. It's not squish. Stop saying it. <laughs> Squish. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Squish. Stop it. You're so annoying. I'm so I'm so glad that you don't have siblings. Because oh oh you do have siblings, but you were raised as an only child. Exactly. I'm glad that was the case because uh, whatever. <laughs> you would have been the most annoying person i I feel like i have that kind of relationship with a few of you with a few of my friends i could be like an annoying little sister yeah um but i know sort of we've talked about that you think that there's something to uh visible masculinity with with like not being able to make other queer friends also because it's like if two if two studs boys ags are in a room together it's almost like this unwritten code that they can't acknowledge each other. Really? I've never seen it happen. Like when it's almost as if they deliberately don't make eye contact. Oh, I feel like I always do it. Like some kind of like head nod, a smile. Granted, sometimes people do look at me like I'm a little off when I do that. But I always try to acknowledge. I mean, broadly, black people, particularly black women. Yes. And especially people... Um, like black queer uh, presenting people, I'm always like, like mm-hmm. smiling or like, "Hey, how are you?" And I feel like it works. I do that too, and I never feel like it's returned. I mean, I feel like my success rate is probably fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. So there, there might be a thing to it. Because I, I remember, I don't know if I told you about this, but I was in recess one night, and there were three like visibly queer black this, girls, yeah. and I was like, "Where the hell did y'all come from?" Because <laughs> I was the only one. Um, and I I was actively trying to make eye contact, some sort of... So, I was trying to make contact with these extraterrestrials. <laughs> um, and I, so I had asked them something really stupid just to start a conversation. So I was like, oh, are y'all in line? And none of the three of them answered me. But the white girl standing in front of them did. Well, you know they that's your... Eagerly answered me. <laughs> No, we're waiting on our drinks. Waiting for you, drink boat. <laughs> I got the almond joy latte. Uh, some, how old did they look? Mm, they were younger than me, but they definitely weren't kids. So maybe like twenty four. Huh? Because I was wondering, um, if I'm wondering if there's this generation of like young queer people who are just like. Just like so used to being around uh, other queer, other queer people that they're not as maybe like hungry for the community as we are, mm. or so. I mean, I think it's that, but also when you're, um, I'm always looking, or it's always good. Not necessarily, I'm always looking, but it's always good to find like other like radical or like queer like queers of color. So mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I'm 
it's not just like wanting a queer of color community uh, broadly, even though that is like the case, but it's mm-hmm. also maybe wanting to find a very like intentional Specific, sometimes yeah. kind of like again like radical or feminist kind of where the fuck do you find those so that so that's what i'm saying i'm wondering if that's the thing that's like animating um i mean cuz i mean honestly sometimes i've found um even though i don't have um well i wasn't going to talk about this curve chronicle but this happened like in the summer there's this like really cute very sweet um like um, you know, smart black woman that I met like in the summer. Um, and like we went out like once, and I very quickly realized that like we just didn't have anything, um, in common. Oh, the one you told me about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess I should. So we were at like her place, yeah. and it was like twelve people at her place. She's black, and like eleven of the other people were white, and I was just like, ooh. <laughs> Got it good. <laughs> so, um, and like that's not even to make like a judgment on her or anything like that. But it, again, I was looking for not even necessarily trying to find like a relationship, but looking for a very particular kind of mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if that's sometimes I feel like that's a thing that's yeah. animating our, our search for community. Yeah, because we some intersectional ass bitches. And I think that a lot of A lot of queers of color that I know in Syracuse are willing to sort of give up the, the queer or the of color piece to be in like certain spaces. So like Greek life is a perfect example of that. It's like, I'm gay, but I'm not going to really talk about it. I'm going to just be in this black ass space because I'm surrounded by a lot of black people. Right. Um, And that's sort of something that I will like bracket for another time or like, I'm I'm queer and I'm so hungry for queer community and like you know oh white people just give them a chance and I don't really think it's that bad actually like Trex is great and Trex yeah. is basically for those people who don't live in Syracuse it's basically what I always say is if Ringworm <laughs> was a club it would be Trex I was about to say uh, Trex is basically a four walled cesspit <laughs> 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 that's it's the kind of place where they should be paying us to go inside. Right. The cover, like the cover charge, is like a dollar seventy five. <laughs> it's really offensive. It's so bad. Um, um. Yeah. And I guess so. I was thinking when you were talking about like the generational thing that uh, even four years difference makes this huge difference in queerness. Like I, like I said, I feel like I'm re- reached auntie status and I'm twenty eight years old, mm-hmm. but I feel like an elder in yeah. <laughs> in spaces now. Like damn. Um, which is also frightening and like hopeful, I guess. But I'm thinking about like the station of life that I'm in, still being a student, even though mm-hmm. I'm in this weird space because I'm a PhD student. Right. But um, all of my friends are going to be going, you know, like going where leaving Syracuse. Hmm. Like you know, Ahmad is leaving. Oh, T. Greg took a job yeah. somewhere else. Shit. Um, you know, people are just rapidly exiting. Yeah. You know, and then by May, everybody else is going to be gone, sort of. So, so the people that I regularly chill with, like, you're going to be the only one left. Oh, wow. You're making me sound like a cockroach at the end of days. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I think you know this. Like, you're not uh, you're not going to be the one to um, initiate social interaction. I don't initiate social interaction? No. Who am I kidding? I know I don't. <laughs> I was about to say, like... 
You know, bitch. sometimes bitches get brand new. <laughs> what do you mean I don't? <laughs> init- I, I'm the initiator of all of our social interactions. Not all. Which is part of why I asked you to be co-host, because I wanted to see, see me you. Twice a week? Yes. I don't want to I don't want to take this to a, a dark place because I feel like we've we've had a, a happy episode mm-hmm. and I'm excited about that. But I, I feel like in sometimes being um queer and being in communities of color, that is just like you're always saying goodbye in some way, mm-hmm. shape or form to your friends. And so it's just like, how do you make that? Um I mean, because I'm a risk-taking ass bitch even across, like, social media. Like, I'll just jump into somebody's yeah. inbox and be, yeah. be like, I really like this that you posted. Or, sure. oh, my God, I'm in love with you. Or, wow. <laughs> not, okay. Not uh, like that. You're racking first up restraining all, orders. <laughs> first of all, I just need to say this. I think we need to start telling people we love them more. No, I 100% um, agree with so that. So, when I say, oh, my God, I love you, it's not... Like, like, I love who you are. I love what you're doing. Right. Like, come get the box. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, like, you're great. I am so thankful for your existence. Mm-hmm. And I would love to swap energy with you. Yeah. And that might include the box. <laughs> may or may not include. Stop it! <laughs> We're just going to have to throw this episode out because of you. How is that any different than the woman who eats things on the mic for, what is it, ASMR? This is not that kind of podcast. Whatever. She has her lane, we have ours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, sometimes, though, I really wonder how much our black queer experience is really shaped by being in a really small town. Yeah. In and in a particularly, like, in a Rust Belt mm-hmm. um, kind of city. So, um, I often feel this tension between, um, there's a lot of really great organizing happening here, like in Syracuse that I find like really exciting. And I feel like I've created a lot of like wonderful community, um, here, particularly through that work. Um, but there also the city still leaves like a lot um, to be desired and it's really mm-hmm. tough mm-hmm. to, um, so I think it's tough for us to find community because this, the city is not set it up. It doesn't facilitate. It doesn't facilitate yeah. like things where like queer people can mm-hmm. like come together. Yeah. Right. So like in the biggest cities, mm-hmm. I was just telling somebody this today, like when I lived in Texas, I was in the Northern part. I went to school in a small place, but it was 45 minutes away from Dallas. Mm-hmm. Whereas here is, you know, Toronto, four and a half hours. New York City is four and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's just like, and like you mentioned, like you love going to concerts. And I mean, outside of like Gold Link coming here or like the stray random person that comes here, there's no regular routine. There's no like big arena where people would be performing here. Yeah. And there's there's no even like kind of like alternative or like underground Mm -hmm. scene where, you know, like offbeat queers can like hang out and be together. Damn, we don't even have an offbeat queers space. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And I was even thinking about, like, infrastructure, not even these, like, social spaces, but... That's exactly um, what I mean. There's not a park, for example, with, like, an abundance of benches where people can hang out. Or or, um, the public transportation sucks. And, like, I'm not exaggerating when I say... uh, 
like the buses before seven o'clock in the morning and after five o'clock in the afternoon, make they come one and a half hours apart yeah. on East Genesee, like right here. One and a half hours apart. So if yeah. you miss the, the five o'clock, you're done. You- <laughs> you're not going anywhere. It's a wrap. You know? And so like not even the buses facilitate like a space where you always gonna see somebody, you know, like yeah, it's, it's so just no public transportation. Yeah, yeah. Good public transportation. Good public transportation. Everything is so privatized here that exactly. that you don't regularly interact with people. Right. And uh, not to mention the weather. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> winter is coming. You know it's supposed to snow Friday. Uh uh-uh, uh, I didn't hear that. Yep. Blacking it out. <laughs> yeah. No TN day. It was Tandem. so windy today. I thought I, when I look back and didn't see you, I thought the wind took you. Oh, you made it funny. <laughs> I mean, you're pocket-sized. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, my and I was actually texting my sister uh, earlier this week about how do you make friends? Like, I don't know how to make friends as an adult. And it's difficult. I mean, you mentioned post-high school, but honestly, like, even in undergrad. Yeah. Like, just, it's difficult to, like, like school, as awful and traumatic and as horrific, you know, mm-hmm. as it as it is, it's like it like creates the, again it facilitates yeah. or creates mm-hmm. the conditions for like people, particularly mm-hmm. like black people, black queer people, or other queer people of color, sometimes to like come together. Yeah, because it's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, nine thirty to eleven thirty. We know we're gonna be sitting in the same room together, right? Or or we, there's like activities yeah. that are happening, mm-hmm. and whereas like especially if you don't live in a big city, then yeah. it's like where where are the places that you can like congregate and be mm-hmm. with your people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Well, thank you for <laughs> like. This is why we need more interaction from you all because you see how bare and the scene is here. I actually I cannot remember her name, but she's the creator of Transgrio. The Transgrio? Uh, is that um, Monica Williams? Yeah, Monica. Yeah. She said this at um a conference I was at. I can't remember which one because I'm a conference hopping hoe. She said uh, that most uh queer people of color live in live outside of like uh, urban centers yeah. and that's true because not a lot of people live in big huge cities right. and so i think that more of us can relate to the struggles of syracuse than can like not right, relate. right right so yeah i mean i think i think there are these uh like hubs of homos <laughs> like you really on a roll i really like alliteration um you know, you have the Miamis, the Atlantas, the New Yorks, the New Orleans, the Chicago's, Chicago's yeah. Oaklands. Like that's that's those are like right there six, yeah, maybe. What about all the rest of us? Right. So yeah, and I we keep skipping Dallas, Dallas too. Yeah. And what is that judgment for? Okay. All my exes live in Texas. That's why I hang my hat in Tennessee. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> I bet you I'm going to get a phone call as soon as we post this. Probably five. Um, <laughs> all right, y'all. So that's going to be it for this episode. Yeah. Unless you got anything else. Nah, I'm good. I'm okay. out. Okay. No, that was a non-traditional curved chronicle, but I think it works. It works. Y'all get the point. 
friendships are just as important. We need to stop devaluing friendships in favor of romantic relationships because that's some capitalist bullshit. Yeah. All right. So I just wanted to remind y'all to rate us and subscribe on SoundCloud. We are one follower away on SoundCloud from 300. Follow us on SoundCloud. Subscribe on iTunes. You say, oh, Apple Podcasts. Podcast, yeah. Apple Podcasts. Rate us. please, for the love of all things holy, send us, um, again, ideas for Queer Women of the Week, <laughs> things you want us to talk about. It's so funny because you think that, oh, we're just scraping the bottom of the barrel here. But I, I honestly feel like this process of us trying to come together and figure out what an episode is going to be about is part of... Like, the experience of being a queer walk. Like... Say more. When everything in the the mainstream or the dominant culture... Is not... Is, yeah. Is not, like, pushing your identities to the front. It's not celebrating your accomplishments. It's what happens when you're on the margin. Exactly. All right. I'm like, it's, it's, it's not um, a shock to me that we struggle to think about yeah. things related to queer women of color it's that have happened. It's a thing. Right. Touche. Um, and... You know, so I honestly love it. I love the like, God damn, what are we going to talk about? Right. Even though it's frustrating in that moment, it just reminds me that like this will be one thing that will be out bi-weekly yeah. that some other queer woman of color we'll, can be like. Yeah, find some solace in. Yeah. But st- I just don't want to get us to the point where we're like, now we're going to talk about, is your pet queer? <laughs> 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 I think Riri is. Oh, but that's... she's a she's a total dyke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think actually cats don't conform to our limited views of right. sexuality. You're right. Sorry, I didn't mean to impose. <laughs> Riri is so beyond us. Whatever we're doing, right? So she's superior. Like, she's like, I know another world is possible. I live in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, y'all. All right, we out. We Bye. Out.